Hi, this is Ann Covera. Welcome to another episode of Speeding Past 80. My guest this morning is Lois Kinnis, and she has written a book called Rise on Eagle's Wings, published by Elk Lake Press. And I am just so happy to have her. I enjoyed reading this book very much. Welcome, Lois. Thank you for being my guest today. Thank you so much, Anne. I am very excited to be here. And hopefully I won't say anything that will embarrass you. <laughs> well, I've got four kids and four grandkids. I am way beyond ever being embarrassed by much of anything. That's wonderful. I have four children, too, and six grandchildren. Oh, my goodness. And uh, they all live near you, or are they far away? Yes, all are within 30 minutes. One of them does live with me. She's almost five. Oh, that's wonderful. And yeah. uh, I know you said uh, when we were talking about this that you were taking her to kindergarten this morning. Yes, well, she's still in preschool, uh, and she is a bundle of energy. Doesn't it keep you young to have her presence there? Absolutely. And when I was writing some of the characters and refining them, I could use her as my um, my model. Sure. Remember, sure. well, what do kids do at three? What do they do at four? We provided daycare for our grandkids when they were little. And we have four. And our son, Chris, is the father of those four. And there are two sets of twins. Oh, and my. That's yes, funny. they're all they're mostly grown now. The girls are 19. The boys are 15. They'll soon be 16. So I miss the presence of a little one. There's nothing like that five-year-old energy with all those questions and answers and just curiosity. I'm interested in how you got started writing Rise because it deals with human trafficking and it deals with a lot of other issues. And I just, uh, one of the things that really strikes me about uh, this book is something that I have realized for some times, some time, people get caught in situations and other people look at them sometimes and think, well, it's their own fault if they had made better choices. But sometimes people are caught in circumstances not of their own making and they're left a year way out. So how did you get started writing Rise? Well, I had, um, well, I had been married for 29 years. And um, uh, it was violent. And I finally left after 29 years um, when the older three were growing. Took my youngest with me to Rochester, Minnesota, where I was um, helped by a um, women's shelter to get my life put back together again. And um, went back to school, got a job. And while I was working um, at University of Minnesota Extension, I saw an announcement about a human trafficking workshop. This was probably about 2010 or 11. And it was put on by the um, Sisters of St. Francis there in Rochester. Uh, I went to the workshop and was just amazed. What in the world? This is so prevalent. And uh, there, uh, the speakers uh, were really moving, and it turned into a series of workshops that each time I went, um, the crowd grew larger. At first, it was you know, women of, you know, women who were older, who were retired, coming to the event, and yet each time younger people would start coming, men would start coming to the meeting, 
um, when, uh, people wearing press badges would come to do newsworthy news articles on this. And the the subject just burned my heart. I had a novel that I started shortly before that, and the workshop um, gave me the final piece of the plot. The human trafficking worked into the novel that had begun a little while before that. The protagonist of the novel, I had met that aged person several, 10 or 20, maybe 30 years before. I was working in a campground and I met a young lady who was 17 years old and had two children and a third on the way. She uh, was separated from her husband. The bravery, the courage of that young lady who loved her children with such a passion stuck with me. And so years later, she became um, uh, an element, the main character in the novel. And I had also met a woman who was such a praying woman. Uh, she just reached out to everyone she met. She sensed when people needed help. And um, she would reach out to them. Um, she did a lot of singing. She moved people with music and she would talk to everybody. And that woman became another strong element in the novel for the latter part of the novel. Um, so the human trafficking element wasn't present with the young girl that I met 20 or 30 years ago, but it fit in with the plot of um, here she is. She's got two children by no fault of her own. Um, she really needs help. And so it, it wrapped around in there and became a, a, a theme throughout. You know, um, I was really interested. You mentioned the woman that was singing and helped people. Uh, that's the character of Miss Ella, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. And she is such a striking figure. But I also found it very interesting that after all the trials that this young woman goes through, and I mean, she was really at rock bottom homeless with her two boys, and she's trying to use her skill making jewelry to try to provide something for them. And even that's taken away from her at one point when all of her materials are stolen. You know, but here comes Miss Ella, and she's just being herself, and she draws this woman and her children into a community. And this is what really struck me about the last part of the book. There is redemption for this woman and her children, but it really shows the power of a loving community. And I think, you know, uh, there's so much, so much negative press for faith and communities today mm -hmm. that we have really lost sight of the power of a spirit-filled community to change lives. And I think you bring that out so beautifully. Did you know a community like this? Similar. I had been helped by um, several different women's shelters um, when I was 50 years old. I would not. I don't know what I would have done had they not been available. In fact, um, women's shelters weren't even around for most of the 20th century. I believe the first women's shelter was started in Minnesota in um, 1974, if I'm not mistaken. I thought they had been around a lot longer, but it was that recent. Yes, and it was extremely valuable. And um, 
at one of the shelters, I was invited to a journaling workshop. This one was put on at a um, church in West Moines, Iowa. And we um, women were just, the, the women from the church just made us, the, the children were invited along. They did um, a separate area, child care for the children, while the mothers learned about journaling. And that just touched my heart to be treated like that with so much um, grace and gentleness and kindness. And I, I wrote a few words in this, and it also inspired me to um, continue writing. I had written prior to that because I sold advertising and wrote articles about feature stories about uh, independent businesses. But um, I had not written fiction before, and um, I didn't start writing something in fiction until um, years later after I had um, gone back to school, got a degree in multidisciplinary studies, um, which involved a lot of creative writing classes from the University of Minnesota. And I was anxious to take some of that information and put it to work and uh, started this novel. The novel just I, I thought about it day and night, woke up in the middle of the night writing things. By now, let's see, it took me uh, four years to write the storyline, a half in Minnesota, half in um, Iowa. And it just, um, it took a lot. It took a community just to put the novel together because I participated in many workshops on writing along the way, many organizations, um, the American Christian Fiction Writers, the Women's Fiction Writers of America, um, Oregon Christian Writers, um, the Virginia branch of the American Christian Fiction Writers. So there's a lot of organizations along the way and also local face-to-face -face writers critique groups. The writers groups were so... You see there again, we're talking about community. Yes. You get to get with other writers and um, it's a it's a language. Uh, lawyers get together and talk a uh, lawyer, um, you know, language. Um, writers talk writer language, and it, it's just uh, wonderful to meet with others and get feedback. Um, and in many cases, the feedback is just right, spot on. It's just what you need to keep advancing the novel or help uh, encourage you to kind of reorganize this thing. I found the same thing to be true. Here, I have a critique partner that uh, we have been critiquing each other's stuff for, I think, five years now. And I just rely on her. I think she relies on me. And we're very gentle and kind with each other. <laughs> but, you know, uh, you're talking about threads that come together. And I think that is so true about uh, anything that you do for the Lord. So many threads will come together. And I find it interesting that even your painful past provided context for this novel. So even pain can be useful down the road in ways that we don't, don't really as expect. Well, you did all of the work. You did all of the going to conferences and things like that. Tell us a little bit about your journey to publication. How did that happen? That took, an, well, the book took four years to write the basic plot line. And then took another six or seven years to publication. I um, uh, queried many different agents. And part of it was that the book um, really did need to be reorganized. And it took um, a long time before that was done. But that's where um, some of the critique groups and um, writing conferences really helped. 
But identifying what genre the book is, I think a lot of agents didn't know quite what to do with it either because I wrote it originally thinking that it was a young adult novel. It has a, a chance to have a young adult voice. And of course, the protagonist is really young. She's 13 when the novel begins. She's 19 when it's done. Originally, she was younger. She was 11 and then she was um, maybe 17 when the novel was over. During that time period, I was told by um, agents, a couple of agents in the general marketplace, that if a teenage girl has children, then it cannot be branded as a young adult novel, which floored me because there's a lot of girls in their, you know, yes. early years who do have children in America. So that seemed like, well, I wonder where that rule came from. But it seemed to be an unspoken rule. I don't know. So I uh, entered it in, um, uh, say, women's fiction contest and rebranded it in my mind as women's fiction because this is of interest to women. But then I realized that, oh, no, the protagonist of women's fiction needs to be an adult, at least by the end of the story. And so, um, okay, not young adult. It's not women's fiction, but it has elements of both. And both audiences I know will enjoy it. So toward the end, I, I bumped up her age uh, a few years and, and began calling it a bittersweet coming of age story with a healthy gleam of hope. That sounds just about right. Thank you. Um, and I feel better, much better about it, having identified it like that. And it was just before, about a year before it finally um, uh, uh, was accepted by Elk Lake Publishing. I had reorganized it so that um, her age, you know, was 13 to 19. I wasn't calling it a coming of age story. I was calling it upmarket women's fiction because um, upmarket is kind of a combination of commercial combined with literary, but the novel is not heavily literary because then it would be way longer and have a lot more. Uh, I, I have it kind of crisp and simple, but with a lot of imagery. So I think it's uh, nicely, um, subtly literary, but still um, moves at a fast enough pace to be commercial. And uh, the publisher, um, Deb Haggerty, had prior, uh, a year prior to accepting it, she had loved some of the dialogue, but thought other narrative areas uh, needed some help. And so um, a year later, I came back and I had gotten the help and uh, it had been trimmed down and moved faster but still had gentle literary elements to it. So, um, Well, you know, uh, I noticed the pace, too. And I think the fast pace is what got me into the story and then had me finish it in a few days rather than at the rate of 25 pages a day. And so uh, I think you're right about it. It's fast-paced. You know, there's one other element that I thought about when I was reading this. She gets married to a man who helps her in a time of great need. But after a while, that marriage is not working. But you know, I think a lot of young women get married because it's convenient. Mm -hmm. You know, this was a, a way out for her. It was a source of help. And I think after a while, she realized that wasn't what she wanted a marriage based on. I just think there are so many elements in here that young women can relate to. 
that mm -hmm. it would be a good book to put in the hands of a lot of young women. I just like, also, I like the element of her never stopping because she was determined to provide for her two boys. Mm -hmm. She just overcame whatever was put in her way. I just want to make sure also that I say the name of the character correctly. It's Talitha or Talitha. Yeah. And oh, yeah. I wondered if that came from the verse of scripture where Christ says, young woman, rise. Yes. Um, yes. And that's in several different places in the Bible. And um, in one place, um, it, it said, he says, Talitha, which is an Aramaic word. There aren't many Aramaic uh, phrases in the Bible, but that's one of the few. So Talitha means little girl get up or little girl arise. Yes. And so it is in, uh, in Aramaic. Yes. Yeah. Not actually a name in the Bible. It's a it's oh. that phrase, little girl get up. See, I didn't realize that. I always thought that was the little girl's name. Oh. So I have learned something this morning. <laughs> now, do you have any other books that you're going to write? Do you have anything else on the horizon? Well, now, this one took about 10 years um, uh, to publication. Um, I do have um, a second and a third in the works, but um, I am guessing maybe I can cut the time down into maybe half, maybe five years for each. I mean, I'll be in my 90s when the last one is completed and published, but I'm patient, you know, wait on the Lord. Hopefully it can be done faster, but I'm not a fast writer. Uh, in my critique groups, if I have, uh, I don't know, two or three pages ready for um, a monthly critique group, um, I just, uh, it's, it's me. So if you're expecting, if, if, if readers are expecting, you know, 50 books in the next 10 years, it's not going to happen. I'm sorry, but. I, I want to tell you about, and I do have a book coming out with Elk Lake next oh, spring. Oh, um, mine was forty years in the making <laughs> because I started it when uh, my kids were little and put it in a drawer. Oh, and then every now and then I would take it out and then I would put it back in the drawer. Oh. Well, no publisher ever came to my house saying, "Hey, have you got a novel in the drawer in here?" I finally did, uh, around 2014, we had some tragedies in our family, and I thought, what do I still want to get done? I wanted to finish that novel. So about 2014, I took it out and finished it, mm -hmm. and uh, felt really good about finishing it. But I found the same thing. It really didn't quite fit, you know, here or there, and I had it professionally critiqued. I had a professional editor look at it, and she was an enormous help. Uh, mm. Fairchild was an enormous help to me. And uh, now Elk Lake did take it, and I'm working with an editor. It's called Ride a Summer Wind. So I will have one out next year. Oh, fantastic. Ride a Summer Wind. Oh, yeah. That's beautiful. And when did you say it will come out? Next, Late next spring. It's a middle grade book. I taught middle grade reading. So I've always loved that that level of of, of wow. book. So anyway, uh, books can take a long time, mm -hmm. but uh, at some point you can finish them. And you know, you talk about your next book, you can cut it down to five years. I have found that the more I write, the faster I get because mm -hmm. I I know more about what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. 
And yeah. so in 2017, I started another book. We won't mention that one because it's okay. not really done yet. It I I wrote um what did I write? I wrote a thousand words a day for 90 days. And I just made myself do it. And it was really bad writing. <laughs> but at the end of 90 days, I had a rough draft, really rough. And so, you know, I think your next book will be faster. I think you'll find that it goes easier. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would just recommend Rise on Eagle's Wings by Lois Kinnis to anybody who wants a good read and wants to know about, well, not only human trafficking, but what young women caught in terrible circumstances have to go through sometimes. It was a great book. And um, I just thank you so much for joining me this morning. Uh, it's just a pleasure to get to know you. Well, and it's a pleasure talking with you, Anne. I really appreciate this. It's wonderful. I have enjoyed it so much. Thank you very, very much. Well, thank you for being here. And uh, Rise on Eagle's Wings by Lois Kinnis is out. I think it was published in June, wasn't it? June, yes. And, and uh, I look forward to reading yours next year. I have um, several grandchildren in that middle school age, so I'll be great. looking forward to reading. I won't have to read it to them. By then, they'll be able to read it themselves. Oh, great. That's yeah. good. Well, um, I hope you have a wonderful day, and uh, this is Speeding Past 80, signing off for this time, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thank you so much. Thank you, Anne.